You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind-the-mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never-before-released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads, and more, plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the Higher Ed Show. And bonus number three, access to the Digital Show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network. Today we have Vanessa Keenan, Associate VP of Technology Compliance and Community Engagement at the University of Texas at San Antonio. Vanessa, welcome to Tech Tables. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm really excited. This has been a long time coming, so I'm stoked that we can make this happen. Before we jump into today's podcast episode, is sponsored by the Tech Table Sweet Talk series, live podcast tour. These are small, intimate conversations that are kicked off across the U.S. last week, actually, in Phoenix with J.R. Sloan, CIO of the state of Arizona. And we're heading to Austin in two weeks or maybe 12 days on May 18th at the Commodore Perry Estates. Really excited for that. And after this podcast with Vanessa, I will be uh, racing to write more podcast questions after I fix my domain issues on Tech Tables. And then we're going to be grilling and chilling in Raleigh on July 22nd with Jim Weaver, CIO at the state of North Carolina, and Mandy Crawford, CIO at the state of Texas. And then we're going to head to Tallahassee with Jamie Grant, CIO at the state of Florida. It is going to be a busy and very fun year. If you're interested in attending any of the events, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or email, joe at techtables.com. Okay, so let's kick off today's podcast. This podcast, like I said, it's been in the making with Vanessa. I'm talking about over a year in the making. She's been ducking me, but she committed. I saw her at the last Task Tech, and she's, here's my cell phone number. Don't hand this out to anybody. Let's book this. I'm going to book it right now. So I'm glad we can make it happen, Vanessa. And so before we jump into the University of Texas to San Antonio, and I know you're doing a lot of great work there, you sit on the task board. So for those who are unfamiliar with task, they don't know what it is or your position. Could you maybe just give a quick brief snippet of what task is and where you're fitting into there? You bet. Task is the Texas Association of State Systems for Computing and Communications. That's what the acronym stands for. It's really long. And I had to laugh for years. I'm not sure what I used to call it, but one of my coworkers said it is task Vanessa. So it's T-A-S-C. And basically here at the University of Texas of San Antonio, I serve as the assistant vice president for technology compliance and community engagement. And I always tell people I'm like a pyramid here. So on the compliance end, I have all the things that are the hot policies and that type of stuff. Disaster recovery, helping folks to look at what our policies say, what we're doing, keeping things in line. I work with our audit division as well. So on the opposite side, I work with community engagement. So that means going out into the community, both internal here at the university, as well as external. So I get to do a lot of things. And task is a part of that external portion of my job, serving on that board. I serve on numerous boards for education and technology around the community. 
So in addition to that, and I always call it the top of my pyramid, I call it a triad, a pyramid. The top of my pyramid is what we're going to spend a good bit of time talking about today. And that's our Bold Careers Interns and Ambassadors Program that we set up here at the University of Texas, San Antonio. It has taken off well in a year and right at a, a half that the program has been going along. So that gives you just a little taste of what I do here. Yeah, I love that. And I had a great podcast episode with Kevin Gilbertson, who's the CIO of the state of Montana, where we talked about the first and last best job. And you've got a great example of this with bringing in the university interns and Folks know I coach high school basketball and you spend time with, with, with college kids and I'm spending time with high school kids pretty close in age. And so I think we maybe just connected that way. It's if you don't spend time with kids, it's a different world. You might not understand a little bit, but when you spend time with them, it's a ton of fun. But I was wondering, could you maybe talk about the experiential learning and the hidden gems of innovation that you're finding with these interns right now? I would love to. What you're going to see more and more at colleges and universities is the community engagement aspect of it and experiential learning. Experiential learning is so important because what's happening, and I think what's happened for a while, is colleges and universities, folks come in, they get their degree, they go out, and then they don't have a lot of hands-on experience. Especially from the liberal arts side, a lot of times the students that are working to get maybe a degree in English or a degree in uh, one of the languages, don't have an opportunity to really work with technology as deeply as maybe some of our students who are doing cybersecurity and information systems. So the program that we set up and designed really gave those students a chance to come in, get their hands wet in technology. And we basically accept students from all the different divisions across our university. I've only had to turn down one intern and he was coming from geology and I just couldn't figure out how we could make a connection in the IT areas because we no longer have printers. I had to laugh because my VP Kendra, Kendra Ketchum said to me, she was like, but we still had printers that we were using around campus. Maybe we could design something for him to go and work with that. So we've found a place for all of the students. There's always something for them to do in that program. So to give you just a little bit and to let you see how we started with this, when I first came to the University of Texas at San Antonio, I started off as a fellow in the College of Education. The first or second year, I had a parent who was a doctor I knew to approach me and said, hey, my daughter needs an internship. Can she come and intern with you this semester? At that time, I was traveling back and forth to China. And I needed an intern to help me also with some of the presentations I was making because I didn't speak Mandarin to put it all there. So Trinity University here in San Antonio has a program. And so they, of course, provided me with an intern for that. It was like, hey, we're looking for places for our interns to go to. Then I had another gentleman from Incarnate Word, which is another of our universities here in San Antonio, to say, I need an internship. Do you know somebody at UTSA? So those students worked on a project for me that helped me to get a presentation put together and to take over to China. So it was that was my first experience here working with interns. When I came into the IT division here at UTSA, we had students who were looking for internships once again. And there were a couple of students that I had worked with before I came over here in our trio division. And I worked with the math and science programs there, always working with technology. So some of those students came over and said, hey, can we intern? Is there some things we can do over there? So it got to a point where I had students who had internships in their programs. 
But I also had students who did not have internships in their programs. Either they didn't have it as a part of the program or they were too early on in the program to be able to intern. So they came over and they wanted to volunteer. When you start to talk about being a volunteer, that's a little bit different because an intern has to sign all kinds of paperwork with the department. They have a certain amount of hours to put in, the whole works. So we started to see a lot of that. And we started to take these students in, have them to work on different projects. And just before, I'm gonna say probably a couple of years before we got into COVID where this really became a big issue, I had students coming in and so many students coming in and wanting to volunteer, it was like, okay, what will we get them to work on? At the time, I was working with another one of our colleagues here on a handbook for Wally Publishing. And it's about a 600-page handbook. It's out there. You put my name in, you'll see it. So we were like, we don't have the time. We're execs on doing this. How are we going to get this all done and put together? So at the beginning of that handbook is every intern and student volunteer who worked to put that 600 page handbook together. To me, that was the most important thing because we would have never gotten it done without them. So move that along, fast track that along. We have COVID to come along. That was one of the most devastating things for students trying to do internships because why? You can't go out, you can't go out in community, you can't even leave your home, rather than even talk about going out in the community to try to do an internship. So right at that time, my vice president, Kendra Ketchum, already was thinking about what we were doing. She would see the students coming here and I would say, hey, do you need an intern or do you need someone to help you to work on things? She had a program at another university where she worked at. She says, we used to have this kind of this program. Maybe Vanessa, when we did a restructure in our department, we're gonna pull these two things from off your, we're gonna add this to your plate. And we'd like you to get involved with other members of the university. And so we have, and most universities and colleges have what's called a quality enhancement plan. As a part of that quality enhancement plan, experiential learning is a big part. So we went in and partnered with our academic side with the Bow Careers Program. And you can look at that program on our UTSA website to see how it's expanding. And it's all about experiential learning, giving students the opportunity to get hands-on experience in their field or even in an area they would not have even thought they would thrive in. One of the students who helped me to set up this program contacted me yesterday, believe it or not. She's working in South Korea, if you can believe that or not. I was so excited. So she sent me a testimonial about the program. And so it has just been amazing. We have served over 70 students since we got the program started from many different disciplines. Most of those students will work with our managers here within our department. They get an assignment. If they're an intern and they're doing an internship, they must finish off the amount of hours and the requirements that their academic departments are asking them to do. So we've had anywhere from 150 to some students over 200 hours depending on their programs. And some of them, if they're in cybersecurity and some of the information systems, engineering programs, HCAP, which is our healthcare administration program, we've even been able to incorporate projects for those students to work in IT that are related to psychosocial, especially with everything that's been going on with the COVID epidemic, getting them to work with our staff engagement group, just many opportunities. So if they're volunteering, we keep the actual amount of hours they're working very small because they're volunteers, but they still sign off on paperwork, positions of trust. 
if they're doing an internship where it's longer, then the department kind of drives that and then we keep them on track to take care of that. Some of those students actually work in our infrastructure. So they're working behind the scenes. Just like any other employee, they have to go through the background checks. They have to sign off on positions of special trust because we're allowing them to work within our systems. And so some of them work with our security operations teams and in, in cybersecurity. We have them working to do support projects for our VDI. There's just, I could go on and on about the different things they're doing. Real exciting with some of the teams I've had to get a chance to work with. I talked about the Wiley project, but in addition to that, it's very hard for undergraduate students and even graduate students to get published. So that has been one of the pride things for me is to get some of these students to work on actual publications, both APA that's going into journals and books, as well as different review journals that are technology like white papers. So that's a big help too as well for a lot of our people who work in technology. Number one, normally we don't, it's not, not something that maybe we do well, so now you have someone who's coming out of an English program or a communications program to help you with that. So it's a win-win situation for all staff members. Yeah, I love it. I think about the exposure that these kids are getting, right? And that just opens up such a realm of possibility that they'll be able to go out and connect with. For really, the end goal is like, hey, how can we get some of these kids to be employed in the technology workforce. I was curious, this is a great program. What is the, what is UT San Antonio doing to connect the kids to maybe the general workforce or the technology workforce in Texas? That is a great question. And we talked about task and that's so funny because one of the students who's working with me who helped to set up this program is actually going to work for the Texas Department of Transportation. We, I know we were laughing about that and that's a, they're a part of task. So, we have actually had some of the students to actually sit in on calls. Here they are, they're in front of major employers, software companies, all of these different agencies. They come in, they give feedback, they take the notes. We've even had students to go in and review websites. Some of them have asked, hey, can you have somebody look at our website? Tell us some of the things that we need to do. Where, are we, where do we need to change this and make it better? Because a lot of times in technology, we look at things from our perspective because we're putting it all together. So these students are stepping out and they're working as an end user, not just for websites, but many of the technologies that we use. So in a, on a university campus, the students are the main people that we're servicing. We're providing that service to them. Either we're providing service to them or we're providing service to faculty members or staff members who are working to provide service to students. So it's great to have students to tell you, hey, this is the best way to do this. So this doesn't work for us. And I think that's where real true innovation comes in. The other great thing about that is we talked about some of the publications. Some of the students have also put together presentations or help us with presentations. So we've worked with presentations for EDUCAUSE, which a lot of people who are working in IT, if you're doing IT and you're at a university, you're very familiar with EDUCAUSE. Whenever those students work on those projects, we give them credit for it. So their name goes on the project. That's something they get to take with them too as well. And they get to put in their portfolio. When they're going out to interview and talk about, hey, here's the things that I've done, they can show, here's some of the PowerPoint presentations we've worked on. This was at a national presentation. This was in a poster session. This was on a panel with someone from UT system. All of those things we try to give to students credit for that. 
Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I think about education a lot. And so I was kind of curious, like, why do you think education as excellence, like, why do you think excellence as like a value is disappearing from education today? What are you seeing in your research and on the ground with your interns? That is a fantastic question. And I'm not sure if the excellence is going away. I think it's being redefined. And I think a big part of that is being redefined. And I think technology, in fact, I know technology is playing a big part in that definition. And why? I do believe that as educators, it is I teach as well. So I, I have a, class, a course that I teach. As educators, it is a challenge to stay on top of the technology, to stay on top and ahead of the students. And I've taught in some way or form for many years, always in IT. And I've always laughed and challenged folks to say, hey, you better be checking out what's on the news, what's the latest, because these students come in and they know exactly what's happening. So that, I think, is a big part of it. I don't think necessarily that the value has gone down. It's how we are interpreting and how we are defining the value. A lot of that has moved more to the social skills. Employers are looking for people who can come out and do the job, yes, but they want people who are competent, who are going to show up for work. That's a big part of the things that we try to do with our students. When you ask for what we are seeing with the students, we need you to be there. You can't do the job if you're not there. So teaching them the importance of that, not setting up student programs where students are going in to shuffle papers for you or shred all day long, even with work study programs. I feel that you've got to treat the students just like they're a part of our regular staff. So when my vice president has her town halls, we invite all of those students so they show up if they're available, they show up to the meetings for the town halls that she has, just like everybody else who are a part of our teams. They're a part of our staff engagement group. We have several teams that work with our staff engagement group. You also mentioned, and this was really awesome, and it falls into the community engagement part of my service portfolio. We have completely gotten our students involved in that side of the triangle. So everything we're doing with community engagement, great places that we have. And last year, from when you were at task with the Galveston ISD, some of the projects that were going on with that, we had students involved with that program. So they helped the school districts. What can we help you do as far as getting your videos together? I have somebody working on the project for this year, working with the school district to see, hey, what is it that you want to do for this particular project for this year? How are you putting that together? So that way the people who attend task annual meeting will understand what is the value and importance of this project to your students, to your school, and to your community? Additionally, we just had, wow, it was what, about two weeks ago, from our Northside School District's Insight Program. It's a program that promotes, it's, how shall I say? It's within a high school. It's one of the schools that are, that you have to really come in and you're sharp to put together things to be a part of this particular school. You apply to get into the school. It's like a magnet school within a high school. That's the best way to describe it. So Insight has project management. They have IT, cybersecurity. So we had about 69 students to come in two weeks ago, along with six educators. They came in with the students. They toured our SOC, they toured our cyber range here. UTSA is known for cybersecurity. So 
it was an amazing experience for the students. And we also took them to our digital experience lab. So they had a chance and watching those students come in when they walked in the door and looking at that digital experience lab to say, wow, this is what I want to do when I get out of high school and have a chance to go through this kind of program. So there was a story put out in our UTSA Today on that too. As a part of that, our students who serve as interns and ambassadors ran that entire program. So it was all student driven. They took the students out. They took planned all the stuff. They made all the phone calls. They talked to the students about what it was like to be in cybersecurity, to work in, what is it, liberal arts, to get a communications degree, what they're doing with our program, marketing, pre-law, the whole works, project management. We had a student who was getting her PMO. So just those kind of discussions with the students. So we had six to eight students during the course of the day to work with the students. So Yes, we work a lot with high school programs. There's two major high school programs we're working with in addition as a part of this program. Sheer collaboration is so important. And that is another part of our universities and most universities quality enhancement plans. You have to do work with your community and it. This is a joy. When you talk about best jobs, this has just been a joy to work with the students and to work with the community. It's oh, I love it. I'm so amped right now. Yeah, it is a joy. I love working. But you know, the excellence piece, what I was thinking about from my perspective is like the kids on the basketball court. Or, hey, coach, they're showing up to practice. They're showing up to games. But then some of them don't show up to the classroom. So <laughs> try, trying to get what they bring to the court into the classroom. And it just takes a lot of lot of extra work and van rides with the kids to to get them to have to bring the same spirit that they bring on the basketball court to the classroom but i love what you said it, it is a joy and i'm sure your job is also a ton of fun working it in the is. community the, the funny part you, about that is i've had in one of the courses i teach in the main course i've had quite a few athletes in that particular class and it's a hybrid course so even before when things weren't all online, I had quite a few athletes in the class. And one thing I will say is the athletic departments are amazing in working with the students, making sure they get there. And they, they love my little system because I have a system where it's like a gaming system. It's a point system for the course so they can earn so many points. So one of the things I love, I've even had some of the folks who are like the directors on the academic side for athletics to show up at my class time because my class time is in the evening. So the class runs, I think it's four to seven. It's a three hour course on a Monday and we hybrid it. So one week we're in course, in class, in the lab, and the other week we're not. So I've even had them to show up in the class to check on the students to see, okay, uh-huh, y'all didn't realize I was coming to visit. So we've I've had some amazing athletes in the class and some of them to be some of my top students in the class. And at a large research university like we are, you just don't always see that. So we have some fantastic people who really look after our athletes and make sure they're doing what they need to do. Yeah, no, that's great. On our podcast intro call, you had mentioned that you love change and I, I really like that. I think somewhere, I don't know, it's the Peter Pan syndrome where like most adults don't embrace change and you, it's just a weird kind of world it just goes away. But it seems like we really need to keep embracing that so we can adapt, pivot and embrace change. And sometimes I think, I don't know if it's just 
you grow up and you end up replacing curiosity with compliance. And I think you probably see that in the classroom. And so sparking that, that curiosity is super important. I personally love it when people ask the what if questions, like it just shows how we can make something happen. But I just want, I wanted to get your perspective on if you could expand upon why you love change and where you're seeing that at the university. That's great. And I can talk about that from the IT perspective, and I'm going to date myself. (laughs) I'll talk about it from the IT as well as the academic perspective. So I'll start with the academic perspective. In the classroom, I usually will tell students, and sometimes they'll look at me like, oh my goodness gracious, because I teach a (laughs) 4,000 level course. And sometimes before they even show up, they'll look at the syllabus and go, gee whiz, let's see, she's got Two huge research papers on here. Are you teaching this like a graduate course? Yes, I am. I'm preparing you for the next level, but you'll do just fine. I always say, but you'll do just fine. Just come to class, show up. So one of the things I always tell students is, I'm going to learn as much from you in this course as you're going to learn from me. And they look at me and they just can't believe that. So I have to prove it to them during the course of the time because it's a research course. So they're going out, they're learning new things, There's some technology associated with it. A lot of technology is changing. So they're learning, but they're looking in places where they would not have looked before. Technology changes so much and it changes so much with different things. Then they have that perspective to see. Some great examples of that is what's going on with virtual learning and virtual technology, virtual labs. It's just unbelievable. From the IT side, for someone like me, so... I'm going to go back a step, and we've got a couple of people here at UT and the UT system, and we talk about this all the time. These are the people who were willing to change, that have been here for many years, and they're out there now. They're the ones that talk to our software contractors to make sure that we're getting the best and the latest in technology. And so uh, there's quite a few of us who started off in the days. I remember my very first computer class I taught is we had to put two floppy disks in the computer. So if you have, you can go to the Smithsonian and see some of those. I, I always laugh when I, yep, I laugh when I see some of those. And I tell the students, if you guys have it good, they want everything quick. <laughs> students used to have to put things in. If we're taking a database management class or a Excel class, and it wasn't Excel back then, it was Lotus and a couple of other things. If you're taking that kind of course, we could go to lunch and come back and maybe our printouts would be ready for the whole class. Whereas now I'm sitting here talking to you. I can hit a button on the computer sitting next to me. And in what 10 seconds, I've got a printout sitting next to me. So much has changed. And so understanding, those people understand the user interfaces that sit behind all the modern technology that we have today. So being able to change when things come in, And some of the big ones I saw saw with some of the student success tools have just been amazing. When things come in, being willing to open your mind and not do things the way you've always done them. Those are the folks that will last in technology and will also help to innovate because they've got the historical. They work with the new folks who come in and we put it all together. So that's a big part for me. It's exciting. It's always been exciting for me to see change. And one of, I think, best projects I've worked on and to see what has come out of it. We worked on a Bill and Melinda Gates iPass project. This was back, I'm going to say it hasn't been 10 years ago, probably six or seven years ago. There's a lot of information out there on that too. And so there were two different years of that. Quite a few universities were a part of this, putting this together. And at that time, Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation wanted to look at ways to get students out of 
college faster. What was happening is students were lingering six years, seven years. And so my CIO, who I worked with at the time, we were very interested in that as well, because we both were students who walked into the office and advising and said, this is what I'm taking. And so we saw a lot of gaps, places where students were being stopped and held back. And to look at where we've come from eight years ago to the wonderful job, the folks in our Student Success Center and our admission centers and our advisors, it's like night and day to where we were like 10 years ago. And so those tools started to really bring things around where the students are doing more for themselves. And I always use degree works and degree tools as an example of that, because the students can go out and look at, as you talk about value for their degrees, okay, I'm finishing off a degree. I got to make sure I get this course, but look at this. I've taken so many courses over here. I can actually get a minor over here. It's almost like playing a little shuffling game. They get a chance to do that on their own. So once again, you're making them self-sufficient, but they're also using modern technology to help them. And that to me is where the excellence is coming in because they're now thinking on their own. They don't have to go and sit in somebody's office or go and sit in a hallway and wait for an hour in order to see someone. They still work very closely with advisors and they need that help, but boy, it's not like it used to be. Yeah, no, I love that. When I was younger in elementary school, I just had a great opportunity. We, I remember we got at, at Elwood Elementary School, we got a bunch of computers. I can't even remember. They were like, I can't remember which Mac version it was, but I was, my job was to like help set it up. I'm like a fifth or sixth grader. I don't even know how I got roped into that, but it was a ton of fun. I think I remember the story was I had an old TV and an old VCR. I know that might be the Smithsonian too, VCR. Who knows what that is? And I, I still to... one. I still have one or two in my house. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. So I had an old TV, a VCR, and I wanted to hook up like a Super Nintendo, but the TV and the gaming system didn't talk to each other. So I, I spent, and there's no Google. It didn't exist back then. That's right. And I had the, at the time, it was the old AOL dial-up internet. You can't like go search for, hey, how can I make these three things talk to each other? And so I would go try and figure this out, ended up getting it working. And then I remember when the computers would come to the school and I remember just telling them the story. I'm like, I got my Super Nintendo to work. And they're like, oh, how'd you do it? I'm like, I don't know. I just tried a bunch of different things. Okay, just don't break anything. I'm like, I don't think anything's going to break. So you're just I'm putting cords in and there's not like really an instruction manual. And I think, I think when kids understand you're not going to melt down anything, just go try stuff out, be self-sufficient. That's I think when you get the magic happens where they're able to problem solve and ask questions. And if you learn a little bit of coding, then you find yourself on stack overflow, <laughs> putting other code together. And next thing you can maybe build a website or do some database searches or you name it. It's funny that you say that because, and this is a, the, the craziest thing ever. I had one of the ladies who was in my doctoral cohort is a principal now. We used to work together, team together on work. She's a principal at an elementary school and they have this big day where SeaWorld comes in, Six Flags, the police, everybody comes in. And so I come in with the technology, right? So I come in with the virtual headsets. And my favorite was, I was like, when they asked me to come, I was like, oh, I can't say no. I really, we were supposed to be doing this community engagement stuff. I talked to middle schoolers and high schools, schoolers. I've done AVID programs where I've been at a school all day. What am I going to do with third graders, right? So one of our academic technology directors said, oh, go and teach them about buffering. Oh, what's the difference between digital and analog? They don't know that. So I was like, okay, how can I do this? And I started to laugh. 
we had a Teddy Ruxpin at our house, which still works, by the way, Teddy still works. So I took Teddy in the tape and then I took one of the first Yodas that was put out and it's all digital. It does like 300 and something different things. Took the two of them together, brought them there and showed them the difference between a digital object and an analog plus the VR stuff. Plus I took brought some old cell phones. I was, I really got creative there. I had teachers hanging in the door. The principal said, you had the best presentation. We want you to come back again next year. We, and I did. We need you to come back. You had the best presentation. I was like, how is that possible? See, we're all here. But I had people hanging in the doors, want my business cards. It was really fun. But one of the funniest things, Joe, I think, was I had a cell phone. So I have a, I always keep the latest Galaxy Note, which their Galaxy is not making those notes anymore, but I have a 20. So I'm in the classroom with the students at this time. I think it was maybe a Note 10. And that one had the plug-in. They don't even have the plug-ins anymore. So I told the students, I had one of these little plug-in things. We had all these little blue phones where you could plug the headset and use a regular handset. So the students looked at me like I was crazy. And I realized some of them had never seen a phone that actually had a handset on it. And they didn't, they didn't know how to use it. I was like, this really doesn't work, you guys. So we get on the phone and we really, we take the phone and we call out to someone. And it's just hilarious for them. They had never, some of them had never, ever talked on a phone that had a regular handset. So that was even though probably about 30 to 40%, I found this interesting between the two years. The first year I went, only about 30 to 40% of those third graders, but I still thought that was a lot, owned their own cell phones. The next year, it was up to 60% owned their own cell phones. So that's where we are today. Yeah, I we have a... 12-year-old daughter. She's a seventh grader and everyone has a cell phone. She's got an iPad, but we, we told her, we will not have, you will not have a cell phone in your pocket, but we got her an Apple Watch. And so what you can do is you can text, make phone calls, you can talk to all your friends. And so she's just walking around all the time like this now, which is pretty funny, which is great. And you can even send them like money on Apple Pay when her and the friends go out. Everything's digital. It's like totally awesome. She's just walking around with her watch, which is great. I was kind of curious as we wrap this up, like where have you seen innovative solutions bridge the gap for students on Mm -hmm. the ground? I think this could be learning styles. It could be digital technologies or even thinking about things in new and creative ways. I think some of the biggest ones. I talked about the degree planning systems, things to help these students get out of school and to take this seriously, look at it financially as well. And I think we're going to see more coming on the finance side. There's a a lot of programs out there. Dave Ramsey has one. There's a couple of others who have programs to make students start to think about being financially and fiscally responsible for the amount of time that they're spending in school. And getting finished with school faster, I think that's one of the big ones. Very digital, thinking about money, even coming out of high school. And this is one of the big things I tell students and I tell parents, because they all want to come and talk to you about their kids, is look at the opportunities for your kids for financing for schools. Try not to get out of school with big amounts of student loans. If the scholarship offers are there, Take those offers. A lot of times kids are like, maybe it's not the school I want to go to. I I tell you what, you go in there, you get a good education, get a job. A lot of companies will pay for you to maybe go to the school you really wanted to go to, to the graduate degree or the next step in the next level. So that's a big one I see. I think there'll be more innovation in that 
looking at the financial side of that and what it costs to go to college. We hear so much about that and that ties into what you said about the excellence. I think we're going to see, and COVID has really pushed that along, more courses online, more co courses in gaming style. And I had a coworker I worked with and I published with, Ken Pierce, who's over at Texas State, who set up a gaming course, like we're talking 10 years ago. And I remember looking at it going, oh my goodness gracious, he still teaches that course and changes it every year. So that's part of the innovation. You're going to see more with gaming. If you've looked at what's going on in Las Vegas with the huge gaming facility they put there, everybody is putting these huge gaming facilities all over. It's not just about playing games. It's about the future, about everything that we're doing, whether it's running drones, being able to use technology to build, manufacturing, virtual reality. You're going to see a lot more with that coming along the way. I can tell you that a lot of military implications. I've seen a lot of that. San Antonio is a big military town. So you'll see a lot of those kind of implications as well. Gaming is tied into that as well. Cybersecurity is going to be, it already is, it's going to be even bigger and better as time goes on. It's very competitive globally. So you'll see more with that. So that particular structure will come along a whole lot. Social media, I think it's going to be very interesting. We see what's going on with Twitter and some of the others right now and what's happening with the changes in Twitter. Social media has been a big thing for students. And I will say this, during COVID time, it was interesting for me to just scroll along and look at some of the things our students were saying, some of the things our students were doing out on social media, because that was the only place where they really could get out and say things and be themselves. So I do believe you're going to see some switches and some changes there as well along the line. And we're seeing that now. I love that. I'm just going to randomly pitch this on the podcast uh, right now. And Vanessa can take it and run with it. We should get some college students and uh, we should have a podcast at task. I think it would be pretty sweet. And we connect them with a bunch of CIOs and then they could all leave with an internship or a job on the spot. We should force all the CIOs to do that. <laughs> I think we, sh we should definitely do it. I think we should. One of the things we are looking at as a part of task, and we talked about this, and we've been talking about it for the last years, we're looking at doing a program very similar to what we're doing here at UTSA statewide. Now, that would take a heavy load to get that going, but it's something we're looking at pretty much growing your own. And it's a matter of teaching, training. We have the Texas A&M system, the UT system, the Texas State system, the Texas Tech system, all of those systems are a part of this. And so I expect a lot of other state systems because I've worked with, as I just came from California, what, my goodness gracious, the traveling has been crazy with you two. That's been about a month ago. And I had a chance to talk to a lot of people out there who are in this California state systems. So a lot of those systems are doing some of the same things. So we're going to see some changes there. We should do that at task and we will have students there in a student panel. So that may be a great opportunity. We'll have to talk about that. We're putting that together as we go. We're working on a student cybersecurity panel, which ought to be very interesting. So we'll talk more about that, Joe, if you wanna do it, let's do it. Yeah, we'll talk about that offline. That'd be a ton of fun. And where's your favorite spot to hang out online, Vanessa? Is it LinkedIn, Twitter? Where can people connect with you? The, oh, my. The funny story about that is Twitter for sure, LinkedIn, probably for professional, I would say 
LinkedIn and Twitter. Those are the two th two places where a lot of times you'll see me out there and I'm at Dr. Keenan. So you can't miss me out there. Those are the two that I see the most. LinkedIn a lot. I get a lot of hits on LinkedIn. And if I'm doing sessions, whether it's presentations at Educause, I think the most I ever got hit is I did a session for Microsoft quite a few years back. And so I get a lot of hits after sessions like this. If I'm presenting for Educause and then it's Somewhere in some tech magazine, for some reason, they seem to like to quote me. So I get a tech magazine hit. I'll get some hits and stuff like that on LinkedIn. So that's usually where. Twitter, I started with way back and it was kicking and screaming because I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And I went to a session at Educause, believe it or not. And the session was Twitter for CIOs. And so the room was packed. I went in and I set up a Twitter account then and I've had it ever since then. It was probably one of the best things that I could have ever done. So I use that a lot for my grandson as a basketball player, getting ready to go to college and play for Texas State. And so I use it a lot in those veins, but from on my professional. I love it. And if anyone in the audience has found this podcast to be valuable or you really liked it, I'd love it if you would take out your iPhone, leave an Apple podcast rating and review. You can just tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves and you can drop a quick review. This really helps support the show and means a lot. Vanessa, thank you for coming on Tech Tables. I had a ton of fun with you today and I can't wait to see you in San Antonio in a couple months. That's right. It'll come fast, Joe, really fast. <laughs> awesome. You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind-the-mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never-before-released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads, and more, plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the Higher Ed Show. And bonus number three, access to the Digital Show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network.